This is episode 207, I believe, of the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast. I'm Rugby Reg. Thanks for joining us for another week of Rugby Chat, all things rugby in Australia. Uh, good group tonight. We've got the usuals, Matt Rowley. How are you, Matt? Mate, I'm great. Excellent. Matt, double duty in the uh, in the booth for us tonight, mate, We're giving Bobus the night off. You just can't get the help these days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Barbarian, Hugh Cavill, you're with us too, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, Reg. Yeah. Oh, you sound coming after sound a long right. weekend. <laughs> I, I, I liked how um, I kind of put out there, like, you know, was there a potential of any of us doing the podcast last night? It was just this <laughs> cavernous <laughs> silence. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're here now and we love it. And what a, what a good night to be on because there's plenty to chat about. Oh, oh, yeah. Due to popular demand, we've, um, we've got a special guest with us tonight because we've got our five burning questions, but the very first question is all about the Brus- Brumbies and are they cooked on field and off and who else better to have on the show tonight, tonight than Chris Blocker-Dutton and it's an appropriate time to have you on. We had the Game of Thrones debut last night. We've got the Game of Jones still going on <laughs> down in Canberra. Blocker, mate, it's been a few weeks. Thanks for joining us again. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm surprised uh, you guys are still on the air after you had me on last time. I'm, I'm glad I didn't get you taken off. <laughs> Mate, we were, in, we were inundated with uh, tweets about getting you back on. Everyone's intrigued <laughs> about what's going down in Canberra. So yeah. can, can you catch us up on what's happened in the last couple of weeks? I guess it, it, it's hard to nail down. There's been a fair bit going on, but uh, uh, do your best. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty hard to um, sum it up, really, because even my head's hurting from all the stuff that's been going on down here. It's absolutely insane. Um, in and out of courtrooms, back in court on Wednesday, which is tomorrow, um, and, and who knows what's going to happen out of that. At, at this stage, Michael Jones is is still in the hot seat. Um, the board is still trying to get him out of the hot seat. The ARU are watching it very closely. Basically, in a nutshell, what happened is the judge, the ACT Supreme Court judge, upheld Michael Jones's injunction against being stood down, but the board now has the right to um, stand him down with five written days' notice. Um, and we could, we're going to be back in court tomorrow, and, and it's anyone's guess what's going to happen there, whether the board's going to challenge some of the judges' last rulings that have kept Michael Jones there, or whether Michael Jones is, is going to file something else as well. All right, well, take us back. Was it last week when there was due to be this extraordinary general meeting and with the clubs involved, but there seemed to be some sort of um, uh, a split in the ranks, I guess, with two separate meetings going on at the same time? Is that, is that correct? Yeah, it was absolutely insane down here. Like, uh, usually all the drama's uh, confined to Capitol Hill there at Parliament House, but holy moly, we were racing around Canberra that day. At, at first, there was supposed to be an extraordinary general meeting at the Brumbies headquarters, which is at the University of Canberra. And for those of you who don't know Canberra, um, that's in, in the Belconnen area near the Belconnen Westfields there. Um, then late, we got a call that said there was going to be a rival meeting in Barton, which is near Parliament House, and they moved it to the Vikings Club. 
which is down in Tuggerong, a half an hour drive away from where the Brumbies base is. Um, And so it was basically split right down the middle. There was three and a half club presidents at at the meeting with the board, three and a half club presidents at the meeting with Michael Jones. Michael Jones was sitting in his office at about 4 p.m. when all of this running around was going on. He was still expecting the extraordinary general meeting to go ahead. But what the board had done, they sent out an email at 3 p.m. saying we're organising this rival meeting. They didn't phrase it as a rival meeting, but that's exactly what it was. And and so it basically showed a massive line and a massive divide in Canberra Club Rugby and, and effectively the Brumbies. So, so has that membership, has that club alignment, is that fixed? I mean, is there a clear side to this, uh, some clubs um, supporting the board, some the executive? Well, it's hard to say at this stage because if, if you speak to the clubs, they're kind of adamant that there is no divide, that it was just yeah, right. a, a situation of circumstance there, that the meetings would change late. Plus the three clubs that were went out to the Extraordinary General Meeting and waited there were the three clubs that called for the Extraordinary General Meeting. Yeah, right. So that they perhaps had an obligation or, or they felt obliged to go along given that they called that and, and it wouldn't have been a good look had they not even turned up. So so they stood by that. But basically all the clubs want out of this is to be able to hear both sides. They, 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 they're not really making up their minds yet. They're, they want to know all the facts and, and that's why they called the Extraordinary General Meeting. There's rumours around that they weren't too happy with the wording of the notice of the Extraordinary General Meeting, which... If you recall, I think it was about three or four weeks ago now, but it actually said the the only two agenda items were to sack the board and to elect a new board, whereas what the clubs thought they were doing were just calling a meeting to try and get all the facts together. So it's it's I, I think it's more of just they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on because up until now the board's been gagged and they haven't been able to say anything. What about from the general rugby community in Canberra? Um, I guess the members being the, the the general public going to the games and yep. so on. What, what's what are you getting the sense from those guys? Are that is it bewilderment and is it frustration or or are they just focusing on what's happening on the field? Um, look, I have many conversations about um, another gagger, Steve Lenthal. He's um, yep. been talking to him a fair bit about this and. We kind of came to the conclusion out there at the game on Sunday against the Crusaders that up until last week, I think a lot of members, a lot of fans, the casual supporters, they were prepared to give the Brumbies and the Brumbies management the benefit of the doubt. There was a court date set for last week where um, everyone was hoping that that would be the end date for it. Once we went to court last uh, last week, everyone thought, you know, we're going to know what the future looks like for the Brumbies. We're going to know whether they need a new CEO, whether they need a new board. But when they organised these rival meetings, it, it threw everything up in the air when Michael Jones won the injunction. And now it's starting to affect the fans because there is no end in sight for this. And, and that's the hard part. When when there was that date on it of last Thursday, everyone thought, yeah, okay, we'll give them until then. But now it just seems like it's not going to end. And and to be honest, I, I feel personally, just from being out there at Brumby's training a fair bit and, and being around the place, is that this is starting to now affect the team for the first time. So for the first two weeks when it went on, they were in South Africa. They came back, they played one game, then they had a bye, then they had the Waratahs to focus on. We get no result in court. I think it's starting to affect the players, and I think it's starting to affect the fans as well. Yeah, because there's a fairly small community down there. I could imagine yeah. that being a case. And I want to talk about the, 
that impact on the players in a second. I guess my other question was, you talk about that end date, not knowing an end date. Yeah. Does, does the federal police investigation, the Australian federal police investigation, have a strong bearing on that? Is that what, in the end, a lot of the people, a lot of this revolves around is, is that situation? And that seems to be something that's going to go on for a fair time. Yeah, well, that's right. That's They said when they took that on, they said it could take up to two years yeah. for them to figure it out. So in terms of that having a, a bearing on the outcome of the Michael Jones versus the board scenario, I don't think so. I think it's probably more so the board versus Michael Jones, how long they're going to drag it through court. Can the board come up with a, an appropriate or, or can they come up with an offer that's going to entice Michael Jones enough to leave his post? Is the ARU going to step in? There was a suggestion last week that the ARU had the power to step in and dissolve the board or, or take power away from the board or take power away from Michael Jones. And check that out. That's actually not the case. Um, but I, I don't think the AFP has has too much to do with it at the moment. It's, it's more just about um, two parties going head-to-head and, and seeing who's going to come out on top. Um, Blocker, it's Matt. Just... Uh, we're carrying on here as if no one knows what the whole thing is. Um, and yes. I mean, is, is that the case, or must there have been so much chatter by now, and a lot of it pretty well informed, that there must be a bunch of people walking around there thinking they know what's happened? Is that the case, or what? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's been around for long enough now that a lot of people do know where it's up to and what the scenario is, and... and 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 some of the explosive material that is in the AFP investigation. So I think we're past that point of um, people not knowing what it is about, or the, the people who are involved know what it's about. The pro- the problem is that it's suppressed by the ACT, ACT Supreme Court. So even if even if you or I had our hands on the KPMG report right now in front of us, we could not read a word out of it publicly. It's sure. I, I'm I'm almost certain that there are um, plenty of people around Canberra who have their hands on it and who have seen it. Um, it's just it can't go publicly yet because if if it does go public, if it's reported in a newspaper or on television or on radio or on a podcast, it's then in breach of a a court order. So that's the problem. But I'm certain that the people who are are mentioned in it know what's in it. And so the nature of what's in that, is it not not black and white? Is it not very clear that, you know, certain people have done something or alleged or or would seem to be mixed up in something that just sort of means, well, it's got to be game over for them? I mean, how does it... How do we still have, if everyone knows this stuff, how do we still have mm. these meetings where some club members turn up to one meeting, others to another? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you've got some idea of what you think might be in there, and please, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to tell me what that is. Why is, it yeah. that, why is it that it's not black and white? Or is it, you know? Well, yeah. the interesting part about that is that um, some of the club presidents had the option to view the KPMG report as they are voting members of the the union. Um, some of them had a look at it. Some of them chose not to because they didn't. They wanted to hear the the board side of the story before they even looked at the KPMG report. So that's that's where the divide was because what the board is saying is that they didn't they didn't act on Michael Jones's future because of this KPMG report. They're saying that there are other factors involved and it's it's not related at all to this. They're saying they would have removed him 
anyway, had this KPMG report not even existed. Um, the bore, sorry, the judge, the ACT Supreme Court judge Richard Refshorgi actually said that in his ruling, he found that the affidavit that the board filed, the dominant factor in that uh, for their reasons for sacking Michael Jones was actually the KPMG report. So we've got these two conflicting sides here that um, some of the unions have chose not to view it and they want to hear why the board are actually trying to sack Michael Jones if it doesn't involve the KPMG report. And you've got a judge who's read why they tried to sack him and he said it's the dominant factor in their reasoning. So that's the other thing. We, we actually, as a public, don't know why the board tried to sack Michael Jones yet. They haven't stated we tried to sack Michael Jones because he did X, Y, Z. So we don't know whether it is because of the KPMG report or, or if there's other things involved. God, this is unbelievable. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it, it is like a game of... Well, what'd you say, Bold and the Brumbies, or it's um, <laughs> game, game Game of Thrones started up a, again today. It's probably something along those lines as well. <laughs> yeah, it is indeed. It's um, and the interesting thing is, as you suggested, it, it seems well something's happening, not working on the field, and and that's a little bit of team, but there's got to be a general feeling of concern or, or uncertainness about um, what's happening in Brumby land. And as I said, that, that is a tight community and you, whether it be the players, the board, um, the members, there's going to be talk going on. So there's going to be uh, that level of uncertainty amongst the players. And Blocker, we're seeing it on the field now, the Brumbies, I guess, mm. you know, the Boss versus the Crusaders, but also, uh, was it two weeks ago, they almost 50 put against them. There's a couple of record scores um, against yeah. New Zealand teams of late. It, it, it's not looking good on the field either. No, that's right. And and the thing, like you mentioned, um, people talking about small community. I went and watched um, local rugby on Saturday um, to cover a first grade game here between Uni North and Tuggeranong. And I did not see any of the game because every step I took, someone wanted to talk to me about the Brumbies and, and Michael Jones and the board and the KPMG report. So it was actually... That that's when I when when to me it said this has now gone beyond just a, a backhouse issue. But um, the Brumbies this week, I I don't know whether it was a pre-planned move or whether it's um, Stephen Larkham trying to work to to get the guys back on on their target. But he's actually taking them over to New Zealand, perhaps two days before they would normally go over in, in yeah, the past. Yeah, so they're, they're actually leaving on Wednesday morning, flying to Queenstown, basing themselves in Queenstown for two days and then um, spending two nights in Invercargill. And I, I, I don't know if any of you guys have been to Invercargill. I guess you don't want to spend much time there. But um, it, it's just a, the, the timing of it is is very interesting given what's going on back here, whether it is Bernie at his, uh, I guess, scheming best. He was obviously a great playmaker. Maybe he's seen something in Canberra and said, look, we just need to get away together and just focus on what we have to do. Yeah, it's a bit cool considering um, uh, all that is going on, I guess. Yeah. And some of those players, I mean, we know we've heard today that Joe Tamani is going to be out for, what, mm. six to eight weeks? which is eight a weeks, massive yeah, blow think, yeah. considering yeah. his form. And then uh, has there been confirmation about Steve Moore? I, I heard he's not going to fly over now. Is he going to fly over later? Do we know? Um, I think they're still saying Steve Moore is a, a day-to-day proposition. Um, given that the the rest of the team is, is flying 
uh, on a day without their captain, without Stephen Moore, you'd have to wonder whether he is going to play. Um, and if he doesn't play, geez, it's a uh, two two of their best players this year. Stephen Moore's been in outstanding form basically since the World Cup onwards. Um, Joe Tamani's been absolutely outstanding. He, I know, um, Nemani Nadolo is a, a big unit, but Joe had a cracker game as well last weekend, even though they got pumped. So. Um, Without those two, it it starts to change their lineup as well. When you throw in that Henry Spates out for another six weeks or so, um, it's it's really starting to test their depth. Uh, I guess uh, if you you want to look to the bright side of things, a guy like David Pocock coming back in, geez, that's not a bad side, is it? No, exactly. They're just the lift they need, and you know he'll keep them focused and recentered. Who's what's the feeling on who would come in for Tamani? I've seen they've named their squad to go over early. Yeah, I haven't seen their squad yeah. yet. Um, I've been enjoying a few days away from yes. the ACC Supreme Court, <laughs> believe it or not, which has been good. Um, but uh, I, if I was a betting man, I would say that Nigel R. Wong or, or yep. James Dargavell are the most likely to take up a wing spot there. Maybe um, maybe Nigel R. Wong. He's been on the bench a lot this year, um, he, and he's been playing quite well when he's got his chances. Um, and, and the other one, I, I think there might be a little bit of a surprise in terms of who they bring onto the bench, whether they change it from uh, a normal, traditional five and three backs forward split or a, a six and two. So that could change things up if they, they get it. Blake Enver, I think, is due back from a shoulder injury this week, which might change things up. He's a, he's a lock there on the bench. Yeah, interesting. Okay. And big Tommy Staniforth uh, is yeah. still doing well. Hugh, uh, you wanted to jump in? Yeah, I suppose, Chris, I suppose we're almost finished, but one last question. I mean, after a couple of heavy defeats, I mean, do you think they can turn it around? Ooh, very good question. I, um, I don't know, actually. I, I, I think for Australian rugby's sake, you'd hope so, um, because even though the Rebels are at the top, the, the thing you have to look at about with the Rebels is I don't think they've played many New Zealand teams. They played the, the Hurricanes a couple of weeks ago in Melbourne, but I don't think they've played the big dogs yet. Um, or that's not saying the Hurricanes are, are small dogs either, but I, I think the Brumbies can purely on the back of if David Pocock's fit, it changes everything for them. They, they've beaten the Waratahs twice, which gives them a massive leg up. They've got the Rebels coming up in a few weeks. And, and as we know, with this super rugby structure, you only have to finish at the top of your group and, and you'll go through. So if you're a betting man in, in that last run to the finals, you would think that the Brumbies are going to win more games than the Rebels. But I, I think they, they can turn it around. Whether they can be a contender is another question because... To be a contender, you've got to beat New Zealand teams, and, and that's proving impossible at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I saw the stat the other day. I don't know who got, came up with it, but there's only one Australian team who is currently undefeated against New Zealand uh, teams in the Super Rugby this year. So, well done to the Queensland Reds, hey? <laughs> well, there you go. The Top Reds flying high. Top of the conference. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in some sort of whacked out way. Look, Blocker, thanks a lot for your time. We'll, we'll let you get back to your relaxation before you hit the courts again uh, tomorrow. Um, but uh, once again, I'm sure we'll try and get you on in a few more weeks' time to see if there's any resolution on the uh, on the horizon. Too easy. Thanks for having me.
Big thanks to Chris Blocker Dutton there, who uh, again provided excellent insight for us uh, on everything that's going down down in Canberra. Here, you asked the question to him, so I'll ask the question to you. Do you think the Brumbies can turn it around? Yeah, I suppose they can. I think Chris Chris had it right. I mean, it depends on what your definition of turn it around is. I suppose. Look, I think they can they can win the Australian Conference, um, and you know they're still pretty solid favourites with with the bookmakers to do so. But I don't think they can win the comp. I think these two defeats to the Chiefs and, and then the Crusaders, I mean, dropping dropping games by 40 points at home, I, I don't think you can come back from that. And and now with Joe Tamani out for eight weeks and the confidence dented in this off-field stuff showing no signs of slowing down, um, nah, they're, they're cactus. They, they might get to the finals, but I can't see them making us any dent in, in, uh, in the grand final or, or winning the title. Isn't it staggering? Remember we talked how how far and above and how clinical they were at the start and how quickly that's turned around. Obviously, two big losses there, uh, and they lost one in South Africa, two as well to the Stormers. But just looking at the run home before, Matt, we jump to you. So they're obviously taking on the Highlanders over there this week. Then they host the Bulls at home. Then they have to take on the Rebels, which will be, you know, depending on what the Waratahs do, you know, might be that top of the conference clash. Then they host the Sunwolves. Not too bad. Then they host the Reds, you know, resurgent but still favourites. Then they host the Blues after travel to, to over to New Zealand for that one, and they finish off with the four. So it's not a bad last four games in particular for them um, to give them a nice run home. Um, you know, Matt, do you think there's a chance of re- of them reclaiming that early season form that we all sort of so much taken by? Yeah, mate. The thing that's really puzzling me by the Brumbies is. Performance is one thing, or individual player performances, but to me it just looks like, I don't know, I, I don't get what the tactics are, or should I say, what, what the strategy is um, at the moment. Um, it seems to be, like, you know, watching that game on the weekend, it just looked like watching the, the Waratahs at their worst. Um, you know, it was like, you know, really deep play, going sideways, um, slow ball, ponderous... I just it just looked awful, and you, you couldn't see how they were going to in any way impact the game other than just you know ask the Crusaders to tackle, which they would do gladly. Um, you know all of the stuff that you know got them to where they were in the last few years, where when you think about it, it was White and Mog with their boots, so that they always boots, played down, yep. they played down the other half of the field. And then it was a forward pack who could mix it up, you know, and they could do pick and go, um, they could use pods, they could do a whole bunch of different things, and obviously were also very solid uh, in the set piece. But it was, you know, a team that could move another team around the field. Uh, you know, it could, it could, you know, suck them in, uh, then it could spread it wide, it could go over the back of them, it could do a whole different bunch of things. And just these last couple of games, especially against the, the uh, Kiwi teams, where they've got a flogging, they seem to have said, oh, stuff this, we're going to do this side-to-side game and try and, I don't know, beat you at your own game. And they've lost miserably both times. Um, Which well, like they've lost that go for it too, whether it be Itavi or whether it be David Pocock, probably yeah. they're two, you know, it's a different, definitely, and, and Pocock probably to a lesser degree, the biggest metre gainers as runners. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, you know who's had a really quiet last few weeks too is um, Scotty Seo. Uh, I think they really need him, you know, as a bloke who stamped his authority in, in, for the Wallabies and played in a World Cup final. Um, you know, he's got he's got to step up now if he if he really wants to start, you know, um, proving himself to be a you know a solid international player. He you know he's been really quiet the last couple of weeks, and and 
and amongst and he's certainly not alone there. You know, there's plenty of blokes that have that have um, gone nowhere. But um, I'd like to see him come up and have a big game this week. Mm. Well, so but this is what makes it hard for me to say what could they do? What, what could could they do? What, what couldn't they do? Because it just seems to me that someone's pulling the wrong strings and just looking to get them to play. I mean, you know, Lele Afano and Tamua, I mean, just haven't had a chance. Um, Non-entities you know. at the moment, really. Yeah, so um, anyway, it's, it's it's hard to say, but gosh, obviously, if they keep giving away points like this, God knows. Well, I wonder if Tamua's checked out. I mean, he's already signed a contract for next year. Uh, yeah, I, I, he's, I don't know. He just doesn't look like he's got that fire burning that he used to. Mm. Well, I don't know. I, I, like I say, I... I, I not sure you can say that it's like a individual player thing. Like he's just no, he's but... just checked out. I, I wonder if you know if he's getting f- forced to play in these patterns of play that just a, a, a cockamamie and going nowhere. I mean, when you saw both teams within the first couple of breakdowns just go right, that's it. We'll just fan out. Um, and then you see any team trying to do that against the Crusaders, you're just going to have such a long night um, trying you know trying to get around them somehow from depth. That's just mad. Yeah. yeah, okay. Anyway. Well, we'll see how they go next. Next, the, the Joe Tamani massive loss. But look, want to talk next. This is our second burning question. Um, in light of, I guess, let's do the two wins, the two games together. The Rebels got over the Cheaters, 36-14 down in Melbourne, um, which I thought was a really impressive performance. And meanwhile, the Waratahs got back on the road, perhaps, with a, with a substantial 49-13 to win over the Force. So looking at those three teams together... And I guess nailing down on those rebels. Do we think the rebels are the, uh, the real deals in terms of winning the Aussie Conference, Matt? Look, I tell you what I really do like about the rebels is I think they are using, you know, all of their talents cohesively as a team. Because you look through that team, you sort of say, God, there's there's not many front contenders for Wallaby spots. I mean, you've got Sean McMahon, who's a fantastic player, but you know he's not nailed that Wallaby spot by a long way. Um, and there really isn't anyone else either. Uh, yet, as a team, they work together really, really well. And you see somebody like a Tamani, uh, who's somewhere between a five and a six, I guess, um, just play a really, really pivotal role for them. So, you know, that you've got to like about him. You know, you see people like Chiba Hansen on the weekend. He must have won Beast Mode of the of the Week Award, I would have yeah. thought. I mean, that was an amazing performance. He was into absolutely everything. Um so, you know, you see a lot of guys like that really stepping up, and I think we'll obviously start knocking on Wallaby doors, which is great to see. Um, but I just wonder, I don't know, you know, can the champion team, rather the team of champions, you know, you know, lift it? I think, you know, if the we maybe we'll talk about the Waratahs, if if that blip we saw from the weekend from the Waratahs is just a blip on the way down and, and not something on the way up, then, you know, with the Brumbies in the form they're in, if the question is, can they lift the Aussie Conference, then you've got to say, why not? Hugh, um, we talked about the Brumbies have got a bit of a run. The Rebels uh, faced the Blues this weekend before taking on the Brumbies, but then they've got the Chief, the Chiefs. Uh, they play the Stormers, the Crusaders, and finish off with the Rebs. So they've got some big games coming up. Is it a combination thing that can get them over the line? Oh, uh, look, I, I don't think they can get over the line, Reg. Um, as I, I love watching the Rebels play. Um, I love it that they're having what seems to be their best year. But to be honest, the evidence on paper so far is they're flat-track bullies. They, they could come out and put points on the Cheaters or the Sunwolves um, or the Force. But actually, when they face good teams, they go to water. 
And I, I think it's a confidence thing, to be honest. I just don't think they've got that self-belief there quite yet. And, and I hope they break through against the Blues this week because you feel like one good win could completely change their season. Um, I just don't think they're going to get it. Um, and look, they, they'll put away the Force and they might put away the Reds, but they've got the Crusaders and Chiefs away from home as well as the Blues. They've got the Brumbies at home and the Stormers at home. All really difficult games. Um, and the evidence so far is they've had three losses and they've been comfortable losses to, to good teams. The uh, I think the Hurricanes did it, the Highlanders did it, and the Bulls over in Pretoria did it. And as it is, the, the only teams they've beaten, I think, have been 10th and below on the table. So I, I'm not quite ready to um, to drink the Rebels Kool-Aid yet as much as I, I like the fact that they are putting away these teams. Um, I, I think they're probably destined for to, to just miss out on the finals. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think they're far off. I, I, I agree with you. And you, it, you can't really dispute those results. But if they could get Sturzak and, and Debrezini backfiring, those two haven't stepped up as I guess we would have liked. They've, they've shown potential previous years, but they haven't stepped up, and they should be stepping up now. Um, but the combinations, plea, uh, combinations between. Um, you know, they said as Tamati Ellison is just on fire at the moment. I think he's absolutely yeah, he, fantastic. Yeah, he's their key man, isn't, isn't he? he yeah. Since he's come back, it's just changed their attack completely. And, and what a great opportunity for a guy like Reese Hodge, who gets, gets chucked all over the field and plays 13 last week outside of Ellison. And I thought he was superb. I thought, you know, I, I called her on Twitter. I thought he's another Sterling Mortlock. He just ran those great angles mm. uh, with determination. But, and, but I think the pack's working well. We'll talk McMahon. You talk Tamani. But I think, as you say, James Hansen was fantastic. Laurie Weeks is playing well. Toby Smith is quality. You know, they've got the potential. They've just got to get that 9 and 10 firing. Who Not quite there. Plenty of talent, but not quite there just yet. Well, I mean, you say that about the talent, Reg, though. I, I just think, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Big Tone is, do, is doing a great job with the squad. Um, there, mm. really, there really aren't a lot of stars there. I mean, they had their stars, you know, a few years ago, even though most of them were on the piss most of the time. Um and now, you know, it's, it's a little bit more no-name, but he's really managing, uh, Tony McGann's really managing to fashion something together, uh, which, you know, if we're talking about where does the next Aussie, where are the next Aussie coaches coming from, you know, maybe that's, um, that's giving us a hint to the future. Yeah, definitely. Well, in, ter- in, in terms of the Aussie conference, Reg, and only because I do know what our questions are and I need to work this in somewhere, do you know who are looming, looming up absolutely beautifully at the moment is the New South Wales Waratahs. Reds. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've got to say. <laughs> Reds is... Reds is yeah, sorry. Sorry. Okay. I was just... I, was just uh, that's, I heard the what and I thought that's where you're going to... Reds. <laughs> No, well, that's a good. That's a really good segue there, actually, Hugh. Because I was, I was, I was really worried. Is this a segue? Is this a segue to, to sport and, and suggesting the Reds need to start looking at sport for some new players? Is that what your segue is? Or well, well, the good, the, the good uh, segue there would have been talent, mate. So, um, we actually, exactly. let, let's do it while we're on the roll. Uh, well, we're sponsored again by Sportpool uh, this week. Um, Sportpool.com. That's where you can go to basically find talent, whether you've got a big pro team, whether you're a subbies team, whoever you might be, you know, whoever you might be, go and find uh, your next talent there at Sporpal. And if you're a player, again, if you're just a guy finishing high school wondering how he's going to um, get his way around Europe playing a bit of rugby or over in the US or even to Africa, wherever it's going to be, um, or whether you're just someone who, uh, you know, you're looking to change clubs, you know, in New South Wales or Queensland, I mean, 
no matter what, no matter where you are, um, go and check out Sportpool. It's free, um, and you'll be amazed at the connections it can help you make. So give them a go, just like they're giving us a go. But Hugh, I'm very interested in what you were saying. Are you saying? Well, also, can I point out, Matt, just back before up? you go? Yeah. Oh, just before you go on, Matt, just yeah. we've got a special offer for Super Australian Super Rugby teams. If you enter the code GAGR, you get 10% <laughs> off your first Australian player. Um, so, mate, I can hear people in the West clacking away right now. <laughs> um, can I? All right, let's let's just get back on track and let me set you back up, Hugh, for this. So, we want to get back. We've talked about the Rebels and the Brumbies, so it's only fair that you know we've got this quota of Waratah talk we have to have. So, let us know how the Waratahs, having lost to the, being thrashed by the Brumbies, being beaten by the Highlanders, scratching their way to a fifteen thirteen win over the Reds, then going down to the Rebels, and then going down to the Brumbies, how this big win over the Force is bringing them back into the championship contention. Well, look, yeah, when you talk it like that, Reg, it doesn't seem so compelling. <laughs> but as, as we know, you know, um, I'm talking simple mathematics here, because I'm looking at the table. Because uh, I'm looking at the table, and I'm seeing the Rebels out front on 22 points, the Brumbies on 21. Waratahs with a game in hand, 17 points. So so they're a win away from actually being on top of the table, believe it or not. Um, and they've got the Stormers this week, which is going to be a tough encounter. But the Reds certainly showed that the Stormers the Stormers have their weaknesses and are beatable. Yeah, I wasn't, I, I wasn't overly home. impressed, yeah. Then they come home and they've got the Cheetahs at home and the Bulls at home. Um, and you've got to think those South African teams on the road are very, very vulnerable Especially the cheaters, the bulls will be hard. But you know, if we can, if we can scrape, you know, two out of three wins there, or, or even three, um, you've got to say that they'll be looking pretty, pretty good in terms of that Australian conference. I don't think, I don't think they're favourites to take it out. I think you say the Brumbies have got that pretty handy draw on the way home, but um, they, yeah, they've scratched and they've scratched around and they finally hit their straps against the force. But the thing is, when they've lost, they have lost with a bonus point. And they've had now two four-try bonus point wins. And that's actually made up a bit of a margin for them. So they're, they're somehow there or thereabouts. And, and yes, their play leaves a bit to be desired. But you feel like if they can get it together, then they're not out of this at all. Um, and look, they're probably destined for the same early finals exit that whoever wins our conference is going to have. But um, I, I just wanted to say that, that that maths is creeping up. And look, the Reds are... On eight points, so they've probably got a little bit more work. <laughs> is to there do. any mathematical? Let me just get the get the calculator. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I it's, think, it's, yeah. a, it's a tough run home, though. Gags the Waratahs. Yeah, Matt Hugh conveniently stopped after the Bulls because then they face the Crusaders, Chiefs, uh, Hurricanes, and Blues with with the Sunwolves chucked in there somewhere as well. So uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. mathematical. Look, if you want to, if you want to put it like if you want to put it like that, Reg, look, yeah. you, you can. God, you, keep, you can spin it anyway you want. You keep honing in on these inconvenient facts. Facts. Man. If you could spin those out, please. Now, look, the one thing I did take, I, I sat there watching this match. I had to watch it um, on replay, uh, but. Um, and I was blown away by the fact that the Waratahs, the first time that I can remember for a long time, actually managed to kick their way out of trouble. Um, I thought both Beal, I can't remember Beal putting in a kicking, uh, a tactical kicking display like that, um, and also Foley. They basically just said to the force, right, we're just going to play down your end of the field and watch you make mistakes at lineouts, which you will, and we'll kind of score from there. And for the force, because you know they're never going to score a, a try, um, you know, 
they're not going to be kicking goals from their end of the field. And so the game plan just kind of imploded and it was just a matter of time. So, you know, people talked a lot about the Waratahs, you know, the, the passes sticking and stuff. And yes, they did do better there. But I just thought it was, it's amazing how that when you make mistakes in the other end of the field, it's, you know, it's not nearly um, such a punishment. So um, that was amazing. The, the other thing, um, you know, their, their ruck defence was a lot better. Um, so while we watched the you know, Brumbies fan out um, right across the field. I think the Tars had learnt from their, you know, pasting against the, the Brumbies. And, you know, you, you saw a good three or four men over every ball. Uh, and you saw Phipps clearing a lot faster. I mean, Lucas was a bit of a worry when he came on. But, um, you know, they were kind of back to some of... And they're playing in pods again, you know. You could see a man um, on the on the hip of the, the of the forward in front of him. And, you know, so, that, you know, defending the ball and making more yards. So, I don't know. I think maybe they've gone back, you know, to what they were doing well in the last few seasons a little bit, but then added in some tactical mouse. Um, but, you know, they took care of the force, which is at the bottom of the table, so I don't know if you can call that a flat-track bully as well or not. I do, but uh, let's move on. Come on, Matt. Well, let's not, let's, again, if you, let's not bring consistency into this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, be- so interesting... <laughs> Interesting comments there, particularly around Beal and Foley's kicking game, which might move us into this next question. We're going to start talking internationals now. Um, not that we've completely given up on the Super Rugby competition, but uh, there's a lot happening international at the, at the moment. Eddie's talking a lot, and, and I think tickets go on sale uh, tomorrow for the for the POM test. So last week we spoke about the wing position and, and conveniently um, knocked Joe Tamani out of contention for that POM series Unfortunately, let's talk uh, the positions closer in in that midfield. Um, I think we can we can all pretty much agree Foley will be ten. Mm. Um, what about twelve and thirteen, uh, Matt? You mentioned Beal there. Would he be your choice? And and, and what about outside him? Yeah. Well, look. Um, just before we go into that, Reg, I'm just going to take a little bit of a detour, which is just there's a lot of doom and gloom going on uh, about Australian teams in, in, in Super Rugby, but I mean, I just remembered, I don't know why this weekend, um, having a chat with uh, a few people, and just sort of thinking, you know, leading up to this season, we were all thinking about, oh my god, the the player drain we're going to have, which we have had, right? So, you know, yep. you know whether it's um, Kepu, Horwell, Genia, uh, Cooper, um, you know, Moen, White, Mog, you know, uh, Ashley Cooper. I mean, you've got like 10, you know, f- mm. frontline wallabies disappearing out of Australian rugby. And we can't afford that in our player depth. We know that. We, we know we're, we're, we're thin um, and stretched across five teams, obviously. So I, although I guess I wanted to throw in there was I'm not sure a lot of people have thought about that. Because then when you look at, for example, what that means for the Waratahs is, you know, in any team they're fielding at the moment you know you've got Roach Holloway Robertson Dempsey Kellaway Robertson you know even Horwitz all these guys in a you know now in a starting team and they're all just being freshly blooded so and it's not just the Waratahs I realize every team's doing that you look at the, the Reds um, both in the pack and the back line we're all scratching around and blooding this new this new talent so that's just my point about you know oh everyone's falling apart and yes the Kiwis have lost a few people but we all know they've got better depth than we do so I just think um, in the in the Exodus post World Cup, what we are seeing is what we feared was going to happen. We just seem to have forgotten that it's happened, uh, and that there are at least ten frontline wallabies, uh, you know, probably you know more actually that I could count easily floating around Europe at the moment. But anyway, back to midfield. Um, look, at the moment, I would have thought 
you know, the, the head-to-head here at 12, if we, if we sort of start there, would be between, you know, Tamua and Beal. That was the sort of, um, I guess, the, the positions that uh, Czech was, uh, you know, kind of flitting between. And at the moment, there just doesn't seem to be any competition. I mean, Beal is in the best form. I can remember him being in, an, in a long, long time. You look at the difference he makes to the Tars, the spark that he brings. Um, it means you can have somebody who's a little bit more solid, like a Lelia Fano or a, or a Foley in at 10, and Beal's pr- providing that sort of uh, distraction to the defence in front of him. Um, whereas at the moment, I just, I'm just i not really sure what Tamu is adding. Um, you know, the, the, the kicking game's not there, uh, and you're not necessarily even seeing the defence that we think he's renowned for. So uh, unless there's another option, I'm kind of missing it. I kind of think 12 at the moment is Beal's, you know, not to take. Yeah, uh, yeah, Hugh. I'll let you go on because I think you pretty much agree. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I think Drew's still out. I, I haven't made my call yet on this. I, I think if Tamur can turn it around, I mean, just considering the type of game England are likely to play, um, Tamur has had some success against them. I remember uh, over there a few years ago, in an interview tour, he was particularly outstanding at twelve, um, and he does bring that that steel, that concrete at his best to the midfield, and I think it probably fits a little bit better um, with what Michael Checker might try and do. But at the moment, in the form he's in, at the, you know, as of the last two or three weeks, that that's not going to happen. And Beal is in very good form. Um, so I think he's probably got the inside running as it stands, but I can certainly see changing my mind. I think Kurandrani's obviously got 13 nailed down. Um, although Samu Karevi has put forward a, a few good efforts over the last few weeks as well. So... Um, he's probably there for the backup, but um, the other the other sort of one is Matt Gitto, who you know I don't think will fly back, but you know God knows what's going to happen with these foreign players. We're not we're not quite sure. We haven't been told. We got told they wouldn't be picked, and then it might be Wolgania, and now it might be a few more. So I'm not sure about that. But at the moment, you'd have to think Beal's probably the favourite. But if Tamura can turn his form around the next couple of weeks. I don't know, I really like what he brings to that 12 jumper, so at his best I'd have him there. Um, and yeah. Beal, at the, Beal in 22 where he did so well last year. Well, Beal could, you know, with Tamania, he, he could be in 14, you know. Yeah. Um, we still haven't nailed that down, particularly with Tamania, and he, he's almost a like-for-like like for someone who doesn't play um, wing. Yeah, I get what you're saying with Tamua. I guess it's what we expect from England as well. Um, Tamua at his best should be the leading 12 in the country. I think he should have that playmaking game and that aggressive nature to his game, but he hasn't been. And I don't think he even showed at the Rugby World Cup last year. I, I think he, he um, was was somewhat disappointing during that tournament and, and should have made that 12 spot all his own, uh, but he didn't. But Beal's form has been superb. The one caveat, I guess, is, is that Form under Chica, a form under Super Rugby is different to what Chica get out of a player. I think Chica's proven that he can get more out of uh, certain players, and if he feels he can get more out of Matty Tamua, he'll push him. But um, he's obviously almost, he's obviously also very much a Curtly Beal fan. Um, so yeah, I think he's going to start favourite there. You mentioned thirteen there. Is is it a lay down that Kurandrani gets there? Can I talk through some stats for you with comparing him and Karevi? Please. Um, all right, so let's just look at carries for a start. And we know the Reds 
probably are overly reliant on Samu Karevi. So he's, they've both played the exact same number of games, exact same number of minutes. So carries, it's 107 to 68 Karevi to Kurandrani. Um, factor of the Reds, I'll admit that, but they are using Hunt and Nabuli a lot more. Metres, 569 uh, by Karevi to 283 to um, Kurandrani. Double the clean break, so 13 to 6, 30. 29 defenders beat into 16. The other thing is the offload game. Karevi's really developed this offload game and passing game. So 10 offloads, 46 passes. Kurandrani, one offload, 20 passes. So, And their defence is pretty much uh, like for like. In fact, Karevi is mildly, uh, mildly better. So oh, I think Kurandrani will be the man. But, geez, Karevi keeps this form up for the rest of the season. He'll be a hard man to leave out of the Wallaby jersey. Yeah, you'd think he'd, you'd think that Checo would be looking to give him a run somewhere, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 I mean, it's for the, the same with both of them. They're, they're a starting jersey or not, you know. I don't think there's a there's a bench spot for them um, unless you have a, I guess, a Beal on the bench. You can cover every other position, but because um, they're they're pretty much just one one position players. But uh, uh, big fan of Kurandrani, but I. I I've just been in awe of what Karevi's been able to do since um, since uh, this last few weeks. Yeah, can you guys hear that just on, on the end? I I can hear this like wailing coming from Melbourne, and I think it's Daz, and he's shouting. <laughs> but what about Mitch Inman? Um, <laughs> big Mitch. Yeah, I look. Um, where I don't know. He's um, just overlooked yet again. Sorry, Daz. Well, injuries in, injuries killed him, and, and I think also you know. He really, we really like to firm him up as Tom Carter 2.0, and I think constantly being overlooked for Wallaby selection is is uh, a part of that as well. He's a very good club man, though. Um, well, look, if if we if we finish that uh, question, yep, I think which which I think we had, I just I just like to do a little interlude here. Um, each week, just um, reciting some of our um, reviews on uh, iTunes. Um, and the latest one is actually a positive one here. It doesn't even mention um, East Coast um, elitist clubs at all. It's called Favourite Part of the Week. And this is from JEK2765. I don't think that's her given name. Um, With my year for living overseas coming to an end, I can safely say that listening to this gagger was my favourite part of my week. Not only did it give me my weekly dose of all things rugby and Australian humour, but helped me give the boys back home a run for their money as the only girl in the fantasy comp. Thanks, guys. So um, all I can think of is that she obviously didn't take our advice each week. <laughs> I've got to say, Mike, <laughs> it's good to hear. What yeah. you guys think? Pick the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> You can just see her. She's just, she's just written Samu Karevi on a bit of paper and put a line through it as you've been going on with your stats. <laughs> no. Done. Be selected. Exactly. But anyway, thanks, oh, uh, J.E.K. And, um, and, I've, and I've also got to say that um, last week we put a shout-out to say, look, everybody, send out the podcast to someone you know uh, and promptly saw probably the lowest listener figures we've had for about a month. So, um, yeah, <laughs> fuck you guys too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Listen to it first and then send it out, guys. Come on. Yeah, all right. Anyway, um, but you can make. I'm sure you can all make that up this <laughs> this week. Uh, anyway, that's enough of the interlude. We'll get, What's next? Ray? I think we'll get that. We'll get that traditional blocker Dutton bunt. Yes. Yeah. He always brings his fans. Yeah. Um, all right. Next, uh, two more burning questions. This one is in our. I think our rugby news today with the AU. 
um, obviously looking for alternative venues to ANZ Stadium when that is being refurbished in a couple of years' time, 2018-2021. And it's been mooted the uh, Australia's home Bledisloe Cup match, which would ordinarily be in Sydney at that stage, might be sold off, so to speak, to places like Twickenham or New York. Um, what do we think of that here? Is that a... a, a is it purely a money grab? Is it a wise uh, investment given Australian rugby's perilous financial position at the moment? Or is it just a complete slap in the face to, to Wallaby fans at home? Well, it's, it's purely a money grab. I don't, think, I don't think anyone's in any doubt as to that's what it is. Um, I, I think what if I'm digging into the specifics of, of what's sort of been proposed, and it, and it only has been floated in the media, I don't think they're really seriously looking at it yet, but in that 18 to 21 period, I think there would be one or two years where we would have two two home matches as opposed to one. And I imagine in that year, they would consider taking one of those two games offshore um, and having one presumably in Brisbane or Melbourne. I don't like it. I, I, I think, you know, we, we, we speak about the business of rugby and, and, and you know, ultimately what are, we, what are we involved in the game for? What is the game for? What is the ARU there for? And I think it's all well and good to make money, but um, look, these these are the sacred. Right? The Australia versus New Zealand game at home, if we've got one or two, doesn't matter. They're sacred, and they shouldn't be touched. And I don't care really how much money they're offering overseas. We, we should be having them in Australia, in front of Australian fans, and allowing someone, you know, whether it's Melbourne, Brisbane, or even Perth, um, to to be involved in in such a magnificent spectacle um, that only happens once or twice a year. And I think taking it offshore, yep, would be lucrative. No doubt, they'd, they'd earn millions. And it could, you know, be a positive for our game and help with development. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the blood is why we do rugby. The blood is why the game exists. It's one of those foundation things. And, and uh, I, I, I don't like messing with it for money. I, I think it should be beyond that. Well, it feels like a bit like you're getting into that nonsensical thing, like uh, what's happening with Super Rugby. I mean, a number of the questions when we put out into Twitter, and I hope those guys can hear tonight that actually we, we changed a lot of our questions tonight based on the feedback from Twitter and Facebook. Yep. But, um, you know, one of the ones that... Came this, is a, this, is a, this is a Twitter question, I think. This one actually we're on now. Yeah. Reg, I think it's it's Bigsy's one, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it was, yep. Um, and I think this is... But some of the other questions were based around this idea of does anyone give a shit about Super Rugby anymore? Um, and I think, you know, this is wrapped up in this. You can push a competition so far until it doesn't, you know, it starts to stop making sense. The difference is Super Rugby was always contrived. You know, it was always an artificial competition and we're, and we're you know, and now we've just pushed it too far. Whereas the Burners is never contrived. You know, it's the one sort of pure thing that we do every year. Mm. But I mean, the, the same thing. I mean, the number I heard is that this Argentinian... Uh, Australia match that we're going to be having uh, is uh, going to that's going to generate t- an extra twelve million bucks apparently. So for who? Um, for, that, that's an Argentina home game, isn't it? Yes, but I'm not sure. We, I, must, we must share some profits, I'm sure. Exactly. I don't think we'd be doing it otherwise. Um, yeah, I mean, there's I, I and I my take out of that was that it got divvied. Um, yeah. So, but you know, six. So whatever that is, six million bucks. Assuming that's all um, extra yep. revenue um, to to come back both ways, is you can see that's exactly why they're doing it. So you can only imagine a Bledisloe is going to be, I assume, even more than that. But I mean, the TV rights are already sold, so it's not like you're going to make more out of that. It's just bums on seat 
records, I guess. And if they're going to sell out, if they sell out Twickenham, then I guess that generates twelve million bucks. So anyway, I'm guessing that the, well, well, the number would be similar, would it? The hidden, the hidden thing here, Matt, and I think one of the reasons why this is being flooded so publicly mm. is because they want governments to come to the party. And these yeah, days, yeah. you know, the, the New South Wales state government, you know, pays for the blood low in Sydney every year. It, you know, it, it gives a financial stake to the RU to have it there, mm. as they do with a whole lot of other events. And TEQ's the same, and um, Victoria, Events Victoria, um, is like that as well. And so I think this is one of those things to to almost float to the state governments, hey, if you don't pony up the cash, we're going to take this overseas and you're not going to see a cent of it. Right. So, you know, whether that's, you know, one to two million dollars or however much they get out of the state governments that, that might bid for this, I think that might be the sort of hidden reasoning behind behind this um, thought bubble from Rob Clark uh, in the Daily Telegraph. So this is like the code of NASA or Danny Wadler sort of... You know, yeah, trying to say building offers from French rugby. Yeah, yeah from yeah, from from the, the leagueies are after whoever it is again when it's clear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. about yourself, mate. Uh yeah, I'd prefer us to grow the game. Have it here. Uh, let us like cups. Let's get let's win the thing first. You know, before we start giving away home ground advantage, and it may take until two thousand and twenty-one until we get to do that. But uh, I'd be keeping every sort of advantage we can until we can uh, actually have the trophy in our uh, trophy cabinet. Mm. I also just think it's like it's not like it's developing the game, right? I mean, I guess the no. Pom, it's very rarely for the Poms to actually see a decent game of rugby like that um, at Twickenham. They have to let it sell out, man. Let yeah, it sell out. Yeah, they have to wait for World Cups usually to see how it's pro- yeah. played properly. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, this doesn't seem right, does it? Nah, it doesn't. They don't deserve us. Um, all right, let's hope that uh, that stays in Australia. Look, our far, last far, uh, favourite, sorry, last burning question is about the Poms once again. They've kind of monopolised monopolize this one, but we are damn excited about the upcoming test series. It should be an epic one. Three tests, uh, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Um, it should be an absolute cracker. So it got us thinking about our favourite England test memories uh, tickets obviously on sale from Wednesday for the general public. I think many on the board have already got their tickets secured, which is great. But uh, thinking back into the past, uh, your favourite Test match memories, I'll start you off, guys. Um, you know, long and hard. I, I, I was at... Sunk, there's two. Second one uh, is that, that famous 76 nil one, just for the uh, just absolute remarkable nature of it. No, again, it was a hack... England team, we didn't recognise anyone, they had some unknown 18 year old at fly half and, and Johnny Wilkinson who would obviously come back a few le- years later, but it was a, a very average team, but you know, at Suncorp Stadium that night, 76-0, we, it was Steve Larkin's first game at fly half, I don't, you know, I don't think it was just his first test match, I think it was his first game at fly half and, and he was superb and Tooney scored three tries and I think Timmy Horan scored three tries and Forex had this great promotion, the push-up boys where they'd, they'd do push-ups for every point scored thinking it might be a you know an 18-12 match and 76 nil. by the end of it they're doing star jumps they just couldn't do any more push-ups so that was a that was a remarkable test but the, the standout for me was and I talked a lot, a lot about this in that um, rugby world cup retrospective I did with the legends last year was that 1991 series so not the rugby world cup but the the, the test series we played before we played a game at the SFS um, after a, a test versus Wales. We played versus England at the uh, SFS. Yeah, I think it was the SFS, um, where it was 
the uh, close to the best rugby I've seen, and and Timmy Gavin, uh, who didn't end up going to the Rugby World Cup, was an absolute star. I think star. I think he scored a couple of tries, but we scored three or four tries just from the most precise back row moves you've ever seen. Um, everything clicked. Far Jones, Gavin, Willie O, Simon Portovan. Um, obviously, the tight five were just superb, but that's that game in particular. I can just remember those back row moves just working an absolute treat, and that was pure Bob Dwyer. So, uh, fantastic match, uh, uh, and hopefully we'll see more of that in a few months' time. Um, Matt, what about yourself? Well, mate, mine was uh, mine's a story of redemption, and um, it's oh, you're going to say what I was going to say. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> so yeah, it was back um, at Twickenham. Back in November 2008, I was actually there, and that was when we saw Al Baxter get his comeuppance um, on um, Andrew Sheridan. So, having been, you know, let, let out to hang out to dry um, so many games earlier with a pack that was kind of not scrumming around him, um, finally, you know, we had a pack that came to play, um, and they really, he absolutely did a number on on An- Andrew Sheridan. Was was that the one that you were going to say as well, Hugh? <laughs> Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Two thousand and eight. Yeah, no, that was. I'm, I'm looking brilliant. at a. I'm looking at an article from the Telegraph because I was just trying to research when this was, mm. um, and uh, it's from the Telegraph, uh, the in in the UK, and, and you know they've said, yeah, a few of these choice lines are so great out out of the uh, out of this article, the sort of match recap, and it said, you know, the, uh, after one scrum, the Austra- the Australian pack. Went about furiously patting props Robinson and Al Baxter on the back. The last time Baxter was patted on the back, when sorry, the last time Baxter was patted on the back, he was a burping baby. <laughs> um, well, that's hilarious. So very harsh on all Al Baxter there, but uh, that that was so good though, wasn't it? Because that was coming on the back of that Marseille game where the Poms rolled over us and, it, and in that World Cup quarter final. That's right, yeah. And, you know, so maligned that front row. And that was Ben Robinson when he was just starting out as well. And, and, and um, well, it seems like he was just starting out. And Al Baxter had been around and, and sort of never really, you know, achieved a huge amount at, at test level. Um, but um, that was the high point, wasn't it? That, there was, I think, one scrum in particular where we just folded them like deck chairs yeah. and, and pushed them, Andrew Sheridan off the ball. <laughs> Yeah. That was sensational. No, and it was the way he had. I that, his, his, his face went into the uh, into into the line. Remember, he had this like white line of like that right down his face. He came up from this, from a yeah, scrum, yeah. you know, um, trying to trying to protest that um, he hadn't collapsed it, and his face was absolutely had been absolutely <laughs> buried. And he had, he had half the sort of twenty two line scraped down his face, and he was like, "What me, sir?" It was just absolutely brilliant. It was fantastic. Yeah, that yeah. that was great. We'll try and get the video of that one. I'll try and find it and put it up on Facebook or something. Awesome. Yeah. Um, the uh, I suppose if I had to pick another one, and and you do yeah a bit of recency bias with this sort of stuff, and I'm racking my brains, and there has been a few good good wins we've had over England, um, but that World Cup game the last year was yeah. that was very sweet because I think again we went in there pretty unsure. I suppose I'd say we, most people were probably tipping England to win. Big home crowd, you know. We hadn't exactly set the world alight um, in the, in that game against Fiji and coming in and and um, we 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 played our best game of the World Cup, you know, our best game. We I dare say we played at any World Cup since to the two thousand and three semi final um, against um, against New Zealand and 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 just that last try when 
when it just dawned on the Poms that this, you know, we hammering the nail into the coffin, you know, really um, Matt Gitto scoring in the corner and just hearing the dejection in the commentary, the local commentary. It's, it's, that's, I get a lot of pleasure out of that still. So <laughs> that, that's going to be my one, I think. Yeah. yeah. All right, good stuff. Well, let's hope there's many more memories created uh, in this series as well because it's, uh, it's shaping up to be pretty, pretty damn awesome. Um, we are going to wrap a little, quick look at this round. Chiefs playing the Sharks on uh, Friday uh, before the Force hosts the Bulls. Uh, do we think the Force have got a better shot this week against the travelling Bulls at all, Hugh? <sighs> uh, um, no, sorry, I've got to get my enthusiasm up for the force. So we, 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 we've got to be supportive of them. Uh, look, I think hopefully they've got a game in them because um, there's enough talent in that team to really give the Bulls a, sh- a shake. Um, they're a good side, the Bulls, though, so I'd expect them to win this one, but I can't say I'll be tuning in with any sort of fervour. Um, and I don't think the ratings for this one will be, will be super high, to be honest. Yeah, Matt... You got it circled in your calendar. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, nine o'clock on a Friday night. Uh, yeah, that will definitely that one's most likely to put me to sleep. Look, I just think the Bulls will be able to do probably even better than the Waratahs as far as just pitting the Force back. I think it's going to be a tough one for them. Oh, you guys are slack. I'm call- calling the Force by three on that one. Oh, um, uh, no, no justification. Um, uh, Bulls. The next game on the uh, on the Saturday, the Blues are hosting the Rebels at Eden Park. What about that one? That's a challenge for our Rebels, uh, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say that the last time, I wonder, yeah, did, was it last year that the Rebels got absolutely smashed by the Blues? I'm trying to remember now, but um, yeah, the Blues are that, that sort of team who, you know, if they cut loose, they absolutely tear you on, and I, I think the Rebels are potential victims for that. Um, so, yeah, I think this one could wobble out of control. I hope it doesn't. I hope they manage to... Uh, squeak out another uh, good win, but mm, I think this one could wobble off the rails. Yeah, um, uh, to you, Hugh, there's been some rumours of uh, sightings of Mike Harris and Tom English back training with the Rebels, whether they get back in the team this week, but uh, uh, it'll be handy to have uh, some more reinforcements for the Rebels, because this this will be a challenge for them. Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge, but it's the most winnable of all the games on New yeah. Zealand soil, you'd have to say. And the Blues are notoriously hot and cold. I think this would be a great one for their confidence if they can get it. Um, if they can get it. Uh, but, um, look, I've got to say, I'll, I'll be tipping the Blues, but that's a decision I've come to regret a few times in the past. Uh, I, I really hope the Rebels can do it. I feel like this season here, if they can get this one, it just sends it to the stars, uh, and it gives them that, that hit of self-confidence they need. But um, it's going to be a tough one, no doubt. Yeah, look, I'll I'll be tipping the Blues because I have come to the realization that my uh, I just I never tip against New Zealand teams now, um, but I, I I got some sort of confidence the Rebels might do it. Uh, the next game, Highlanders versus Brumbies at Invercargill. We just spoke to Blocker about previously. A massive challenge for the Brumbies. They they're moving over there a couple of days early to uh, to focus and get away all the dramas from Canberra. Uh, Hugh, do you think that'll work for them? It's a it's a pretty smart strategy, isn't it? I, yeah. Um, I think getting away from it all can only be a good thing, especially with more court um, drama to come tomorrow, no doubt. Um, yeah, look, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to pick of the Brumbies anymore. You know, after they lose about 40 twice at home, you, you've got to think, even with Pocock back, it's going to be a tough task. Tamani was the only player they had in any real form. Scott Fardy's been looking good as well. But 
uh, I don't know. I've got I've got to go with the Highlanders here. Tip the champions. They they stayed in it with the Sharks, even though being playing with fourteen for seventy minutes, um, and they were probably unlucky to lose in the end. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, uh, it, the, it wouldn't surprise me if the Brumbies came out and won it because they, they, they've got that class edge and they can come out and win these games. But the way things are going at the moment, uh, I, I'm off them for now, so I'm on the Highlanders. Yeah, I'm thinking the same. They're hard to tip off, Matt, after their recent performances, don't you think? Yeah, well, look, I'm just looking at the history here, though, but uh, the Brumbies have won the last three times they've played. Um, they won last year by 13 points, the year before that by 10 and, or 11, and the year before that by 7. Um, they tend to be high-scoring games, though, so it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and can I just correct uh, correct myself that actually I said that I thought maybe the Blues had, had walked over the, the Rebels last year. Actually, it was the Rebels that won by 20 points, 42 to 22, so shut my mouth. Uh, I apologise to the Rebels. Um, look, I, I hope we see the Brumbies get back on track here and, and pull one out against the Highlanders and... Um, and, and shake things up. Excellent. Well, let, let's hope. Um, Reds have got a home game uh, this week versus the Cheetahs on uh, Saturday evening. Um, returning Reds, I think, uh, other than the, the, the injuries we know, Jake Schatz, I think James Slipper had a bit of a, a bump but should be right to play. Um, I'd expect to see Caden Neville back into the starting sign over Ben Machuau. Um, the interesting one might be Caleb Timu, the Broncos signing. The former Australian schoolboys back rower had his first rugby game for Sunnybank Dragons on the weekend and was pretty damn good, scored a pretty sensational try um, and, and showed good impact at the Rucks and Malls, good knowledge and so on. Might be a bit early for him. I think it'll be, we'll see him in Reds colours later this year. But um, Reds versus Cheetahs, uh, Matt, do you think the Reds can secure their second win of the season? Well, this is an interesting one, mate. Just looking at, um, they're both very similar teams. So yeah. Cheetahs are at 13th, the Reds are at 14th. Um, the only the big difference here is that the G- Cheetahs are um, scoring a lot more points. So the Reds have scored 150 points and the Cheetahs have scored 240 points. Um, but the Cheetahs, you know, Cheetahs are away. You know, hopefully the Reds can continue um, their upward j- trajectory and maybe squeak this one. Yeah, a 90-point victory helps your for and against, doesn't it? <laughs> it does a little. What about Hugh? Hugh? Well, we haven't spoken much about the Reds this podcast, Reg. I expect you'll probably edit in a good you know, 20, minutes uh, or 20 minutes or so. You know, I've, got, I've, got my offset. I've got my Rebel <laughs> podcast called Red and Red. We'll do that after the show with Tim Z and uh, Sully. We've got some calls for Tim Z to yeah, come yeah. back, haven't we? It's a bit of, um, bit of love out there for him, which I'm, I'm not sure if he even listens anymore. He's off. He's just gone on to bigger and better things, hasn't he? You know? yeah, it's always yeah, good to hear from Mrs. Timms. <laughs> yeah, but um, the Reds look. The Reds, I think, have look. They've come. They've come away from their South African tour with no points, but I actually think they played pretty well. They showed in bursts that they've got what it takes to, you know. And I feel like they are a different team to what they were in the first sort of three or four weeks of the comp. Um, and I expect them to look. You never know coming back from South Africa, but um, I, I think they'll put up a good fight here. It would be hopefully a, a home crowd, slightly bigger than what they had last time. They've got a bit of confidence about them. Um, yeah, I, I'm on the bandwagon now. I'm tipping the Reds. Yeah, I'll be tipping the Reds. Cheetahs will bounce back after their loss to the Rebels, so it will be a tough one in the travel factor. Blah blah blah. But I, I think the Rebels are putting uh, the Reds are putting it together. They they had a poor first fifteen last week versus the Stormers and a really poor last fifteen. But you take that out, and that middle fifty wasn't too bad. So let's see if they can click from the kickoff this week. So I'll tip the uh, 
the Reds as well. Next game uh, is the Lions and Hurricanes before uh, the Waratahs take on the Stormers over there in Cape Town. Uh, and, and look, the state, Stormers obviously won and, and won pretty well versus the Reds. I wasn't overly impressed. They looked pretty loose. That The, the whole first quarter of this game was, was a fairly shambolic, but uh, I think if the Waratahs can, can tighten their game and... and, and you know, I think they're a good shot of taking this one. I, 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 you know, I haven't put my tips in, but I'd strongly consider tipping them for this one. What do you think, Matt? Oh, you yeah. reckon they're a chance? Shoe in, as you said, mate. Yep, <laughs> ticket in. Hugh, you're the same. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Look, I, I think I think if I was the Tars, I'd be looking to get out to a twenty or thirty point lead at, at half time and then just accelerate from there. <laughs> um, no, but I think. Yeah, they, they've got this, that same core of the team that's now starting to click that back line with Kellaway at 15 and Falau at 13. Certainly looked a lot better with a bit more time and space against the Force. They've, you know, um, I think they might lose Jack Dempsey um, to an injury, but to be honest, I don't think that's a huge problem. He's probably been a little bit out of form. Um, uh, yeah, look, they've got Tatafi Pallotta now, who looks to be coming back in as well. So they're only getting stronger. Um, I've only got one game in South Africa, so I'd like to think that they can take advantage of the Stormers. And, uh, you know, the consistency's been the issue this year. I feel like they're improving slowly, but, um, yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'm on the band. Yeah, I'm on the, like the Reds, I'm on the bandwagon, but I think this would be a, a close sort of grinding encounter. So, All yeah, right. Tars, by, Tars by three. Tars by three. All right, and that uh, wraps up the round, other than the Jaguars hosting the Kings in Buenos Aires. And, and that'll wrap up the podcast too, guys. A bit longer tonight, about an hour, I cracked the mark, which uh, hopefully plenty of quality content in there for you. Uh, once again, we encourage you to, to talk us up, let, us, let your friends know about us after downloading us a few times. Um, and uh, we look forward to uh, getting back on the show next week. Again, any suggestions, any topics you want covered, any questions you want asked, uh, any guests you want on, just let us know through Twitter, Facebook, forum, wherever you hear from us, wherever you follow us. Uh, Matt, thanks for your time, mate. Mate, thanks for leading us. (laughs) My pleasure. And Hugh, thank you. Yeah, got some designs for the Waratahs uh, Premiership Stubby Cooler, actually. I'm circulating, so Rich, just check your emails and just see, see what you think of them. All right, good to get in early, 2021, I think. But uh, to our listeners, thanks again for listening and get out there, support your local rugby this weekend, and we'll speak to you next week.